Welcome to the Soul Center Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Master Healer Ariella Halevi and Rabbi Dr. Baruch Halevi, Rabbi B, your healer and guide on the journey of life. In this podcast, we will explore all things spirituality, meaning, and healing, from Kabbalah and the healing of your soul to shamanic energy work and the healing of your past, from ancient wisdom traditions to guide your spirit to modern tools to live your life. The Soul Center Podcast will empower you on your journey to heal yourself, discover your soul purpose, and live a soul-centered life. And now, on to the podcast. Chronic illness, long-haul COVID symptoms, ADHD, Lyme's disease, anxiety, and so much more. These are all long-term persistent and exhausting illnesses that many of us suffer from with no relief. What many of us, including myself until recently realized, um, or what we don't know, is that our brain can be rewired for health and healing using neuroplasticity. Anxiety and stress and immune-related conditions are on the rise, and as my next guest will describe, there is a great potential in our own minds for healing from these chronic and debilitating, debilitating issues that keep us disempowered and stuck for years. It is empowering to finally understand that our own brains can help us completely heal. So welcome to Soul Centered, a center for spirituality, healing, and meaning. My name is Ariella Halevi, and I'm excited both personally and professionally to introduce to you today, Ben Ahrens, ReOrigins co-founder. Ben is passionate about healing, recovery, and human optimization, and how people can take control of their own mental, physical health in the simplest of ways by using the most sophisticated tool they already possess, the human brain. Ben has been a high performance athlete as well as chronically ill and bedbound for years on end. After his miraculous recovery, Ben traveled the globe and worked for eight years as executive vice president at Innovative Medicine, seeking out and studying with the best medical neuroscience and human performance experts. He has spent every waking moment for the past two decades exploring the boundaries of our potential and what he found is astonishing. When you learn to access the control panel of your mind, the potential for healing is limitless. And the best part is everyone can tap into it. So welcome, Ben. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much, Ariella. So glad to be here. Thank you. And as I said, both, both personally and professionally, not only do I work with um, many women with chronic illness, but I also have experienced my own extreme sensitivities, autoimmune issues, and anxiety. So this this podcast to me is so, so important on so many levels. I also have a daughter who struggles with an autoimmune disease and anxiety. And so to me, the idea when I was looking through your website and just kind of exploring this new, this, this is very new for me, even though I've been in the healing world for, for 20 years, this idea that, the, that healing is in your mind and that the mind has great potential I think I've always thought of, of the mind as, as something that is limiting, right? Our limiting beliefs are uh, yes. about ourselves. And to me, this is so exciting and eye-opening because it gives somebody like myself and my, and my listeners this, this hope. So maybe you can just kind of first 
like, well, I would love to hear your story, but also explain to me what the brain can do for healing. Yeah. So, you know, I think we've all heard the saying that that the body follows the mind, but it's really that the body follows the brain. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that you noted that about, you know, thinking of the mind in terms of limitations and self-limiting beliefs and things like that, that we hear so much about. Mm -hmm. And the mind and thoughts certainly are capable of doing that. The same way that if you imagine you have a car that's pointing downhill, right? It's natural tendency at that point because of gravity is to roll down the hill. But sometimes it's like the parking brake is on and then the car can't move forward. And I think that's most people's, that was certainly my experience of the mind and how my thoughts were kind of getting in the way of moving forward and healing and recovery. Um, so really what we talk about, and we'll get into this a little more deeply, which I'm excited about, is that when it comes to neuroplasticity and using the brain to heal the body, it is really like letting the brakes off so that that car can naturally go down the hill. It's not that the that we're using our thoughts or our mind to, to do the healing. The body heals itself. And we all know that's true because if you've ever had a paper cut or a bruise or a scrape and it's now gone, then that's just simple proof that the body really takes care of itself. So you're absolutely right in thinking that these, you know, the thoughts can interfere with that process and it can be like trying to drive forward with the handbrake on. And so what we want to do as a process of what we'll get into today and neuroplasticity is really kind of a process of releasing, of letting go and of decoupling and destroying these old neural pathways that have solidified in the past because of certain thought loops and behaviors and patterns. Um, but once we become aware of them, we can literally undo them and they'll wither away the same way weeds in the garden wither away when you stop, you know, tending to them or cut off their water supply. Um, and then we can actually, you know, uh, nourish and forge new neural pathways that are ones that are more conducive to healing. So, yeah. It's amazing. Amazing. Um, you said something that I just want to like really touch on. You said, you know, the body can heal just like with cuts and bruises, you see, you can see your body heal. And I think for a lot of people that have been stuck in this chronic loop, they start to believe, I know that my daughter struggles with this quite a bit. And I have also personally that your body actually doesn't know how to heal. And that is like, that starts a whole other thought, thought <laughs> process of, you know, my body is against me. And my body, my body may know how to heal from the cuts and bruises and the common cold, but, but I think a lot of people feel really like our body doesn't know how to heal or it would heal. Um, so I don't know, maybe you can speak to that. Yeah, that's a really great point. Uh, and I certainly remember feeling the same way. And just to give a you know, quick background, people can see my, my full story um, online, but I was like, you mentioned, you kind of, you know, told in the beginning, uh, you know, very active person, trainer, health and fitness and athlete myself, and was just really into um, human well-being. And then in my mid twenties, probably the worst thing that happened to someone who's trying to move forward in that way, which is I lost my own health. And um, after years of searching, it turned out to be Lyme disease, which was the catalyst, but it persisted for many, many years. And for about three of those years, the worst period, I was virtually bedbound, couldn't walk most days, couldn't read for 18 months on end, uh, completely brain fogged, migrating pains and weird symptoms throughout the body, very sensitive to light and sound and all sorts of foods. You know, the common unfortunate story that my diet became incredibly restrictive and, you know, my, my life just seemed to become 
smaller and smaller until I started to um, get into a different paradigm of, of healing and health, which is this paradigm that we'll talk about now of the body healing itself. And for me, it started with learning a little bit about some different approaches like biological medicine, uh, which is mostly you know, prevalent and practiced in Europe, hasn't really made its way to the States yet at any great scale. But the basic philosophy that I was kind of awakened to is this one that the body's natural propensity is to be healthy. Health is the natural state. And we can look to other modalities as well, like Chinese medicine or energy medicine, where, you know, that, that is the philosophy. And that now to get to your point, which is a really good one about if health is the natural state, then why do we experience ill health? If the body knows how to heal itself, then why doesn't it always do that? Why do we stay sick or, or even sometimes get worse? Mm-hmm. And according to some of these other paradigms, you know, it has to do with a blockage, right? Like that's something we hear a lot in acupuncture with blocked energy or something. But now with modern neuroscience and research that's, that's been coming out in just the last decade, what we realize is that it really does have to do with the blockage, but it's a blockage in information, in communication between the brain and the body. So it is true, and I, and I absolutely believe that the body has all of the ingredients necessary and required for healing, but it's sometimes getting the wrong information about what to do with those ingredients. And that information is coming from uh, things that we've learned in the past that have gotten literally entrenched in the, in the brain as neural pathways. And so a simple example of this is just, you know, take any sort of past experience you've had where let's say you have a a memory of having cookies around your grandmother's table as a child and your grandmother had a a leaky faucet. And now every time you hear a leaky faucet or you hear a dripping faucet, all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're, you start salivating and your body goes into this relaxed state because you are subconsciously even recalling that you had that, um, that experience. So the body can also do that, however, with Uh, negative experiences or with things that create stress in the system. So -hmm. for instance, if you've been sick for a long time or had some, some traumas in your past, um, then the same type of neurological associations can form whereby anytime you experience these little triggers that we might not even know are triggers, remember that dripping faucet, something as subtle as that, rather than triggering, you know, a a relaxation response, however, if it was related to a trauma or formed during a, a stressful period, then it can trigger all of these inflammatory processes in the system. Um, that keep us from, from, from getting well and keep the body from doing its full job. There's so much here. That's fascinating. I also, you know, I, I'm someone that works with trauma that works with going into the past and collecting, um, if you will, those wounds and those traumas to energetically go in and, and kind of reclaim that child that experienced the wound or even past life and ancestral. And so I feel like what you're saying is like, we go into those pathways and you, well, is this what you are saying? And retrain those moments of quote unquote trauma, whether there it's just the, the water, you know, maybe the dripping water is something positive, but maybe it's something totally negative. It doesn't have to be a full blown trauma. What you're saying is that the body just kind of rewires itself towards these experiences and go ahead. 
Yeah, exactly right. Like one, one example that I, I like to give because it was so striking for me when I experienced this was after, you know, years of, of illness and starting to recover when I first got back to work. Um, one of the things that was really triggering to me was the ringing phone. Every time the phone in my office rang, I would have a, basically have a panic attack and, you know, I, my palms would sweat, pupils would dilate, I would start hyperventilating. And um, apart from just the hypersensitivities to sound and light and things like that, it was also this association between, you know, uh, fear of who was going to be on the other line. Was I going to be ridiculed? Was it a customer service issue I couldn't handle? Like all these things that, of course, were virtual aggressors, meaning not real aggressors because it hadn't even happened yet, you know? Um, but the interesting thing is that when I started to learn this and started to become aware of it and learn that you could actually recondition your brain's neural pathways, one of the things I did was make this really simple rule for myself where in the office, every time the phone rang, I said, instead of, you know, picking it up in that panicked state, I'm going to push myself back from the desk. I'm going to take three deep breaths. I'm going to drop my shoulders and I'm going to put a smile on my face and then, you know, take this pause and then I'll pick up the phone. And so at first it was really hard to do, right? Like I had that almost um, knee jerk reaction to just answer the phone in that flustered state. But the more I implemented this one rule for myself over and over again, the, the easier it became and the less flustered I was when I was on the phone to the point where um, I remember about a week and a half after I started doing this, when the phone rang one time, all of a sudden, I realized that my body just started to relax and a smile came to my face and I started breathing deeper. <laughs> and, you know, so you can actually change the association because the ringing phone in and of itself, just like the dripping water, just like anything that we consider to be a, a trigger is actually neutral. It's a neutral event. It's just a happening. And when we realize that we have this incredible power to shape our response, to change the response that it has over us. It feels, I want to, I want to dive in deeper, but I just want to say like, it feels so empowering for, for someone who I have, as I said, I have many clients that have uh, chronic illness and for those that have been to 17 doctors, taken 25,000 supplements and just tried everything outside of them to heal. What we're saying here today, what you're talking about is this idea that like the smallest thing by changing that re that reaction to the phone is a part of retraining the brain. I'm sure there's so much more that goes into this that I want to hear, but that first step, all you did, which was a free step literally was just take two or three deep breaths, step back from the phone and retrain your response to the quote unquote trauma. Um, it seems it does. It feels almost enlightening and simple and empowering to say that all, like we said in the beginning, like that healing is inside of you. Exactly right. And it's, you know, when you tell people this or people start to learn about this, it seems like it can't work because it seems too simple. We somehow have become conditioned to think that if anything's effective, it needs to be complicated. It needs to be a really long, you know, step process. And of course there's, you know, certain programs and things that have multiple factors to them that can all come together to be beneficial. Um, but at the end of the day, it's really starts with this kind of first domino. And like I said, in, you know, I gave this, this Ted talk called one deep breath, because for me, the, the first domino was pausing and taking this one deep breath. And as it turns out, 
the significance of doing this repeatedly, of course, it, it, you know, it's not that impactful if you do it one time, but when you do this repeatedly, the same way I did that, you know, interruption and replacing the response with a different response to the ringing phone, you know, over and over again. And then when you extrapolate that out and think, okay, now what if you did this for everything that triggered you, for everything that sent you into that slightly or even, you know, moderately or severely in some cases, hypervigilant state, then all of a sudden, Oh, after enough time, the body really starts to phase shift from this sympathetic dominant, which is our fight or flight response, you know, very energetically draining mode to this operating mode where we're actually relaxed at all times, where we're at ease and where so much energy is freed up in the body to now go toward that natural healing that it does. Yeah, that's incredible. It's just like this whole new world that can open up inside of your own body. Um, how do you do it? How do you retrain your brain using neoplasticity? Yeah, so the, the process of neuroplasticity is essentially what they call a process of pruning and unmasking. So pruning is like we said in the beginning, you're pruning away those old pathways. So these would be the reactive fight or flight types of patterns. And you are um, then solidifying and kind of installing these new pathways that are the new responses. And one of the things I just want to note is that one of the things that we teach at reorigin, which is the, the program that I've put together with a team of scientists now to make sure that this is valid and repeatable um, is that it's important to realize that your brain or your body did not turn on you. And I, I want to bring this up because you mentioned autoimmune disease, and it's so common for, for people to, again, I'll include myself in this because I really have been there, to think that your, your body has turned on you or that it's no longer working for you. But I want to assure everyone listening that it's still very much working for you. Your brain is designed and evolved to protect you. And it does that very well, like so well, in fact, that it can sometimes overprotect you, or it can protect you when there isn't a real need to protect you. Again, you know, that ringing phone, I didn't really need to go into that fight or flight state to deal with it. Um, but the brain based on previous experiences combined with stress and whatever else, and just its evolutionary purpose uh, is meant to keep you alert. And in this day and age, we have so much to be alert about. We have phone alerts, we have news, we have information, we have so much coming our way more than ever before coming in through the senses that it's easy for a lot of people to find themselves um, in this kind of hyper, hyperactive or hypervigilant state. And it's become difficult to calm the arousal of that stress response. So the very first step is to realize that you have this ability, that your brain is not working against you, it's still working for you, and that it just simply needs a little bit of nurturing. It just needs a little bit of cultivation, a little bit of reminding uh, for how it should be. So the simple process is essentially, you know, one of awareness followed by interruption. That's, you know, breaking the old response and then inputting the new response. So that's kind of a, a very simple framework. And I give the example that, you know, people can kind of uh, come up with, with how they want to implement it themselves. But of course, it goes a little bit more in depth with that. And at Reorigin, we've put together um, a real process that people can follow along with 
um, and also how they can integrate it into their day. So it's not one more thing that you need to add into your already busy life, right? It's more about how can you make these subtle changes? And I like something you said before that it is simple and, and it is subtle. Um, I like to think of it as where the, the lightest touch can have the greatest impact. So that's really the whole idea behind this type of neuroplasticity training is that rather than chasing after symptoms, which can be an endless process, we're kind of going to the root cause of the problem and undoing the basis of the problem by changing those, those, those old uh, responses for new advantageous ones. So I always think when I work a lot with root cause, and I think the way that you and I work is very different, but also with the same intention in a way, because to me, healing something, let's take about, let's talk about anxiety. Like, okay, we can go in and we can heal your baseline anxiety, which is like, no one can see me, but I'm, it's kind of like the top level. Right. And then as you when, as you go into that anxiety, you realize it's not just about your anxiety because you're, you know, because your kids are whatever, you know, it's not that day-to-day anxiety. It really has a root level cause. And so energetically I go in and heal that root cause. We want to find out where in your body and your brain and your psyche, where did it take over like an overprotective parent? would kind of just like nurture the heck out of that child because she wants to protect it from the lion that's chasing them. And to me, what you just said just makes so much sense. It's like our bodies aren't attacking itself. It's actually that overprotective parent that wants to help protect it. So it doesn't get hurt any further. So that ringing of the doorbell or the, the, the phone or those medications or that sense, like whatever it is, our body's protecting us. So when we have trauma also, that's exactly what our body does is that it just protects us. So we can't remember necessarily. So we don't, you know, it just has this way of, of caring for us, which I think people, um, a lot of my clients have not only illnesses, but also body issues, body image issues. They have a hard time embodying, like really owning their body. And that is part of why, because when you get to the root cause and you get to free it, you get to free that over that helicopter parent inside of us. Yeah. Um, but I, I do kind of want to like focus in and hone in on, on anxiety because in our world today, I would say the majority of the, of people that I've talked to have some sort of fear of the unknown fear of the future ways in which they have collected anxiety in the past couple of years. And it has brought up so much of their own personal anxiety. I think today's world it has tapped into, you know, ancestral uh, issues and the ways in which our ancestors lived that have been passed down to us and also childhood wounds. Like how do we handle this, this anxiety that's coming up right now? How would you handle that if someone came to you? Yeah. Well, when people come to me, one of the first things that I remind, remind them is that what they're feeling isn't just them or the environment, it's their brain. So this can be extremely helpful just knowing this, engaging the rational part of the brain to reestablish a little bit of order back in the system. So imagine for a moment that unbeknownst to you, you just drank two cups of coffee. Now, somehow that got past your conscious attention, but the caffeine is in your system. And all of a sudden you start experiencing this panic attack or this you know, high level of anxiety. Now, 
oftentimes what's going to keep that going is the worry about it, the, the meta level of anxiety about the anxiety, right? Oh my God, I'm so anxious. Why am I anxious? And then we start looking out in the world for, for what's causing the anxiety and, oh, it's, I'm you know, anxious because of this, uh, the news and, and everything, like the mind just starts going in circles. But if someone were to come to you and say, hey, you just drank two cups of coffee, actually, you know, uh, all of a sudden you, you might still be feeling the same thing in that moment. You, your physiology hasn't changed, but at least now you won't have that secondary level of anxiety about the feelings. And what that means is that that cortisol, which is circulating through your system as a result of the caffeine intake can diminish and kind of undergo its natural process of, of half-life. And all of these chemicals, whether induced by an external substance like caffeine or whether induced by our own thoughts and worries, um, still trigger the same release of chemicals within the body. So this is adrenaline, cortisol, norepinephrine, and all of these chemicals have a certain half-life. And that half-life will be diminished naturally over time if we can let go. But if we continue to ruminate on things. If we get stuck in these thought loops, then we're not only perpetuating those chemicals, but we're actually increasing them. So there's more of them circulating through the system. So the first thing I like to do is kind of, you know, help people just become aware what you're experiencing is a real experience, not to diminish it at all, but it's chemicals in the system. It's a result of your brain. And then what we do is we look at the the whole spectrum, because what happens when you're stuck in anxiety is, is the world and our scope of awareness tends to shrink down to a small focal point of, of fear, or we get this, what's called, you know, uh, spotlight or tunnel vision, um, and just get stuck staring at the thing that we think is causing the anxiety, which causes more anxiety. Mm -hmm. So what we want to do is expand that out to what we call lantern vision. And this happens when we start to shift the active part of the brain from what's called the default mode network to the executive network. So the default mode network is like this self-referential uh, type of thinking. It's usually when the arrows of awareness, you could say, are, are pointed at ourselves, we kind of feel the world or the room or other people's energy focusing inward on ourselves and the spotlight is on us. And it's very, well, it's, it's anxiety producing. Mm -hmm. But if we can get our attention and get those arrows of awareness pointing in the opposite direction, then all of a sudden what happens is people realize that you have so much more of a spectrum to choose from, to choose where your attention goes, and that you have this choice. I can choose to focus on you know, this, this thing that's irritating me or that's aggravating me, you know, the pebble in my shoe, or I can focus on, or even at the same time, I can focus on how beautiful the weather is and that the sun is shining and how green the grass is and how, you know, happy I am or how good it feels to be in nature in this moment or whatever it might be. Um, or even a happy memory from the past or vision of yourself in the future. So it's really about, you know, expanding our scope of options in the moment to realize that anxiety, fear, all of these, these thoughts, rumination are merely options. And when you become aware of that and you have the right tools, you can shift your awareness and choose a different experience. It's amazing. So it's really very different than meditation. It is. Yeah. Meditation is great at calming the whole system, mm -hmm. uh, which is essential, but it doesn't necessarily change the neurological association 
between the person and the trigger or the thing that causes the nervous system to become aroused in the first place. So meditation, I think, can be a really important uh, part or practice when it comes to neuroplasticity, because it's sort of like, um, sort of like, you know, putting padding on your feet. It's just, it's cushioning the ride a little bit. But what we really want to do is, is not only pad our feet, but we also actually do want to go in and remove the obstacles, remove the things that are tripping us up in the first place. That makes sense. That makes sense. So what about those really hard, we talked a lot about anxiety, but what about those really difficult conditions to treat? Like you had Lyme's disease, Lyme's chronic fatigue, things like that. Why are they so, why, why does what you do help these certain illnesses so much? And why is it so hard to treat with conventional medication? Yeah, it's a great question. And this is really, um, you know, thanks in part to a lot of new research that's just come, come up in the last two decades, but really the last 10 years. Um, first, I'll start with, you know, why it's so challenging to treat these kinds of conditions. I mean, one of the reasons is the unique factor that every person expresses these conditions so differently. Um, and with the same amount of variation that people express their conditions and symptoms, there's the same amount of variation between responses to treatment. You can give a hundred patients the same exact treatment and experience a hundred different results. The same way that, you know, um, let's say a, a virus or, or something can breeze through a room with a hundred people and, uh, you know, 30 will get sick and 70 will be fine. And those 30 that get sick will experience 30 different ways of exhibiting symptoms. So it's so unique. It's really um, depending on our entire history um, and everything that, that constitutes us. But one of the reasons that I think this type of neuroplasticity training um, has been shown and is now really proving itself to be effective for a wide scope of ailments is because they are in some ways connected to a, a similar underlying cause, which is this simple overactive stress response. We know that inflammation is basically at the root of every condition out there. And when you have excessive inflammation in the system due to an excessive stress response, not only does that cause like hyper reactions or increases in symptoms, it also draws energy away from other vital bodily resources and, and uh, maintenance functions like immune system, like digestion, uh, nutrient absorption, um, procreation, all of these things that the brain in its hierarchy deems as sort of secondary level functions because they're not necessary for immediate survival, it kind of puts them on the back burner. And this is totally fine for short periods of time. Again, your body is still working for you by doing that because in a period of acute stress or you know a very acute trigger, um, you don't want any energy to be diverted or, or wasted on digestion or even immune system function, you want all of that energy available to escaping the threat, to getting out of harm's way now. But now that the threat is over and the body and the brain are still stuck in this reactive mode, now is a time where it becomes a problem that, that the stress response is still going. And so I think that one of the things that can be so effective by retraining the brain, it's like, you know, taking this walk upstream and, and working on things from, from some of the, um, the most like upstream, upstream levels that all of these things downstream naturally fall away. So I think what we're finding is that by simply calming the stress response, um, 
and then doing this in a way that's specific to a person's triggers and symptoms, uh, we can naturally restore integration or balance to the system and the body can resume its natural healing function. It's amazing. And I like what you said about like everybody responds differently to the treatment of these things. So you have one medication for all of these, the ways in which people respond, well, we all respond differently. Um, also what you said is so interesting that, um, I lost my train of thought, the idea that inflammation in the body treats, like it, it doesn't work like the cortisol and all that stuff doesn't worry about, are you digesting? Are you absorbing? It just wants to fix the immediate problem. I mean that when you think about someone with chronic issues, typically it's, you know, the digestion, the digestion, the adrenals, things like that. And usually there's an inflammation problem and an absorption issue. And mm -hmm. I never thought of it that way that your body is trying to go towards the lion chasing it, but it doesn't ever slow down in order to relax and digest, for example. Exactly right. Yeah. The body is an intricate system of resources and it basically comes down to resource allocation. And although it is an open system as opposed to a closed system, meaning that it's generating and regenerating new resources um, at any given moment in time, there are a finite number of resources, right? There's a finite uh, amount of chemistry and energy in the, in the body. And so in that moment, the more of that energy is being diverted toward, you know, chasing this threat, whether real or perceived or conditioned, um, the less energy is necessarily available for detoxification, for cellular respiration, for allowing the body to clean and heal itself. Wow. Yeah. I think, I feel like you just opened up my mind. I'm usually in this whole energy world and you just included the brain in this idea of healing. And for a lot of us, that's not ever something that we, we think about. And so I really appreciate you coming on today and really just opening this idea that the brain wants you to heal and the brain can simply, simply be retrained to, to live, to experience that expansiveness. Like you said, not a vacuum, but what is that that you said? Um, we don't live, our bodies don't live in a vacuum. It's more of like an expansion. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an open system. Right. 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 I so, and the brain really is the chief orchestrator of all cells and systems in the body, you know, energetically, um, chemically, uh, motor function, every, everything is really organized by, by the brain. I really like to think of the body as like this orchestra and, you know, with all of the cells and systems playing in harmony. And sometimes just like an actual orchestra, it can be thrown for a loop and it can play out of tune. And at that point, it usually just needs to be retuned. So we need to go in, we need to see, you know, okay, is there excess humidity here that's, you know, causing the, the strings to warp and go out of tune so that it doesn't happen again, um, which sections are not, you know, are clashing with the other sections and so forth. Um, but simply by reestablishing re the brain as kind of like the chief operator of the, of the system, it does that fine tuning for us, right? There's, I once heard it said that there's some three trillion reactions per second taking place in the human body um, that are necessary for life such that if they weren't taking place exactly in that way, we wouldn't even exist. So this is way more than our conscious mind, than our rational brain can, can think about. So in a way, you know, when I started to learn this, it became kind of a relief. You can let yourself off the hook that 
sometimes when we're in that fight or flight state, we're diligently and vigilantly trying to heal ourselves. We think that we, if we miss one thing, it won't work. So we have to take every supplement and research every diet and doctor and protocol and plan. And it can just be, I mean, talk about exhaustion and, and resource allocation, like that will drain you if nothing else does. Um, but when you learn that your brain has this natural ability, it's just kind of like, you know, flying a plane, a plane flies itself with just minor corrections by the pilot. And when we take that stance, using tools like neuroplasticity training, we can just make these, you know, subtle and personalized adjustments to the brain so that it can continue to do what it's always designed to do, which is to look after you properly and ensure your, your optimal function. Beautiful. Thank you so much. You just, uh, first of all, I would like to get rid of all my supplements. So, um, (laughs) um, that would be amazing. Talk about chasing the, the cure and chasing, chasing your healing. And I think a lot of us, um, as we kind of conclude, I'd, I'd like to hear where we can find you and all that, but just to conclude, I think a lot of us in the last couple of years have realized as we've awakened to the external anxiety of the world, we've really had to look at the internal angst and a lot of us are chasing the cure, chasing the healing. And it's exhausting, as you said, and it's expensive. And this idea just, I mean, I'm going to take away this, this one idea that my brain is for me, that my brain wants to heal. My brain can heal is, is so eye opening and exciting to me. So that's really why I had you on today because there's so many different ways to heal. And when we can get to that root cause and live a life that we're supposed to live, then um, our, there's so much freedom and there's so much joy in that. So Ben, thank you so much. Thank um, you, Ariella. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Sure, sure. So maybe you can let us know how to contact you, your website, and just anything that you're doing right now that um, our listeners would be interested in. Yeah. So right now, uh, I'll just say I'm, I'm very interested at the moment, uh, personally, in in mood elevation and how we can elevate our mood in a calming way. Well, it might seem juxtaposed to elevate your mood and calm your your nervous system, but I actually think they go hand in hand. So uh, that's a, just a personal note, but that's also something that um, kind of segues into what we're doing with uh, Reorigin. So best place to find me or to learn more is reorigin.com. That's re-origin.com. And that's a neuroplasticity program that, as I mentioned, I put together with these few uh, neuroscientists and psychologists from the Brain Trust. And um, yeah, we, we basically help, you know, guide people through using all of these tools to retrain their own brain, elevate their mood, calm their nervous system, and um, rekindle that natural healing ability that the body so definitely has. Great, great. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ben. My pleasure. So thank you for listening today. And if you liked what you heard and want to share, please give us a five-star rating and share with your friends. You can reach us on all social media outlets, join our Facebook group, like our page, and learn more about Soul Centered at www.mysoulcentered.org. And then just a little plug for my complimentary healing circle that will begin November 1st, Monday at 6 p.m. Mountain Time for all for all of us, really, for those of us that need an energy tune-up that are ready to look for deeper and more interesting ways of healing, for people who want to explore the nature of their soul, of 
what's happening in the universe and how we can ascend by healing our root cause. So I invite you to join me and um, you can check that out and sign up at our website. And we will be meeting the first Monday of every month from here on out. So we are excited to have you join us in that. Namaste, everyone. Until next time. You've been listening to the Soul Center Podcast with your hosts, Ariella and Baruch Halevi. If you'd like to learn more about Soul Center, please visit mysoulcenter.org. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at mysoulcenter. And if you found meaning and inspiration in this podcast, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast. We'd also love to hear from you to connect with you. So please reach out to us. And until then, we wish you shalom, salam, namaste. Amen.